Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you? I'm good, Adam. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy I don't know when this coming Friday. out. Yeah. So. I didn't know when this is coming out, so I don't. So I didn't want to uh, say any dates. But yes, happy Friday to you. Well, this is being recorded on Friday. May come out today. May come out Saturday. May come out Sunday. I don't know, but happy Friday nonetheless. Yes. Uh, another Mets game has been postponed. Wonderful. Now it's what? raining. It's raining in Colorado. I guess now. Oh my God! Wherever the Mets go, it just brings bad weather. It's funny because. Um, Somebody on Twitter basically said, you know, the Mets don't need to worry about their bullpen if they only play seven inning games. And that's a, it's pretty, it's a good strategy. It's a valid point. Let's see if it plays out for them. Let's see how it works out for them. Valid point. You don't have to, you don't have to see Edwin Diaz coming in to close the ninth inning since there is no ninth inning. God, not a fan. Clearly not. But uh, yeah, so I, I mean, other than that, I'm doing pretty well. It's very good. It's very good, Adam. Did you see my football club yesterday on Thursday taking a stand to racism? That was beautiful. That was a beautiful showing by my captain, Alex Lacazette. Great guy. And of yeah. course, defending one of my favorite human beings of all time, his football club in, in Rangers. Right. And very conveniently, may I add, there's a friendly going on for the 150th anniversary of Rangers. And who's playing in that friendly Rangers versus Arsenal ever so conveniently the day after the stand against uh, what happened between Slavia Prague and Rangers uh, that whole nonsense happened. And then Alex, like is that taking a stand against that? So good for him and Steve and Steven Gerrard. I, I, I talked to him before. He's, he's very thrilled about, uh, about what happened with the Alex, like is that him taking a stand? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he is. Meanwhile, in the big boy league, uh, there were some, there were a couple really good, really good matches. Nobody fucking cares about the Champions League. Everyone cares about Thursdays. Right. Yeah. It's very true. Everyone cares about Thursdays. Yeah. Premier European competition, the Europa League. The numbers, the monetary numbers don't really uh, back that up. Steven Gerrard is in, it was in the Europa League, so I think that takes the cake. My club, my football club, the Rangers, were in the Europa League. Facing a very, very difficult tie. But we are the champions of the Scottish Premier League. I would like to thank all of my colleagues for such a great, great, wonderful experience, including one of my great teammates, Jamie Carragher. Oh, yeah, of course. Rangers, the football club, win the Scottish Premier League, fortunately getting knocked out of the Europa League. Liverpool, as well, getting knocked out of the Champions League. How could that happen? Not even a goal at Anfield. Absolutely ridiculous when you have Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, seeing as there isn't too much news to discuss, 
let's go straight into the main topic of the podcast, shall we? Surely. It is <laughs> it is bounce back candidates for the 2021 football season. And this is from a fantasy perspective. Because I feel like some of the players that we're going to name, you look at their stat lines like, oh, actually, that's not a bad season. But, you know, for fantasy, not as great. Definitely not as great. Leaves a lot to be desired. Now, are we doing just quarterbacks and running backs? Or you want to just do all of them? Because I could do either or. Let's do all of them. Why not? Okay. Fuck it. Let's be comprehensive. Fuck it. And then, and then next week we could do disappointments, regression candidates. I like that. Exactly. I like that. And that's negative regression because obviously regression can go, can go both ways. Yes, correct. So let's start off with the quarterbacks. And my first pick as a quarterback that can have a that should have a bounce back season. Quarterback that a lot of people drafted thinking that he was going to have a bounce back season this season. It's Matt Matt Ryan. That was one of mine. Fuck. He is prime bounce back material. I like it. He's a very, very popular one. I know Jake and I like him a lot. You know, I think when we did the NFC South show, Jake and I both were very, very on board with taking Matt Ryan as a as a top twelve quarterback potentially. If you can get him later than that, that's that's terrific. He's being drafted right now as the thirteenth quarterback off the board. So, yeah, if you can go and get Matt Ryan, I think it's a really, really good shout for uh, for a bounce back candidate. Yeah. So. You have Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is still going to have, assuming Matt Ryan is still going to have Julio Jones. Ass out of you and me, Adam. Yeah. At least he's still going to have Calvin Ridley on a rookie contract. And if the Falcons um, decide that this is going to be a retool, not a rebuild, and they're going to draft Kyle Pitts with the fourth overall pick, that just makes things even better. It definitely adds more appeal if they were to go and take pits, because then you have this bevy of offensive weapons that Matt Ryan would have to work with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Hayden Hurst, you put Kyle Pitts into the equation. And then maybe in the second round, you get your hands on a, uh, on a Travis Etienne or Javon Williams. You know, you, you potentially have something in Atlanta in terms of the offense. Now the defensive side is just a fucking mess. So, which is a good thing for for Matt Ryan because the Atlanta Falcons can't stop can't stop other offenses. Then it's going to turn into shootout like games, or even better, the Falcons just getting blown out and Matt Ryan just garbage time numbers. So, yeah, I mean, I like I like the uh, the pick a lot. Um, I know Jake and I did this, and we do it sometime, but we're going to do a little would you rather. I mean, this is this is one of my favorite games. Uh, Matt Ryan or Ryan Tannehill. I think I'd rather have hmm, – that's actually kind of tough because I'm. it's the what is Ryan Tannehill now versus the optimism surrounding Matt Ryan. I think I'd rather have – but I think I'd rather have Tannehill. I'd rather have Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan or Tom Brady? Well, obviously, I'd rather have Matt Ryan. For fantasy, Adam. Not in real life. We know you'd, you, you would rather have Kellen Clemens over Tom Brady. Colin Clemens is a nice man. I would, <laughs> I'm sure I would he nothing, is. I'll hear nothing uh, 
bad say said about Colin Clemens. No, I, I, I would rather have Matt Ryan actually over Tom Brady. I'd rather have Tom Brady. I know that Matt Ryan, like you said, is the garbage time factor. If, if the Bucs are going to be up in games with that loaded offense that they have, they're going to be running the ball with Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette or now, G, or now Giovanni Bernard. Matt Ryan's going to be throwing the ball all the time, all the time. He's going to put up those volume numbers. Yeah, but if you could tell me that Matt Ryan may be a 30 to 34 touchdown guy versus Tom Brady, who could be, if he if you could tell me he's going to be 40 touchdowns again, that would definitely wipe out the difference. Because Matt Ryan, I think, is going to totally outmuscle Brady in terms of yards. But in terms of touchdowns, that's like the ultimate equalizer. So yeah. if Tom Brady is like yeah. a 40 touchdown guy again, which is definitely possible given just how how clearly the Buccaneers just have no desire to run the football in key situations. They'd rather use the greatest quarterback of all time to win them football games, which is fair, fair point. You know, I, I would take the touchdown upside with Brady over the yardage upside with Matt Ryan. But would it surprise me if Matt Ryan turns into a 35-plus touchdown guy to really make the – yards difference which he'll have with Brady much better for Matt Ryan you know you bring those touchdowns closer and closer together then Matt Ryan will prove to be a more valuable fantasy asset than uh, than Tom Brady it's not it's not head and shoulders above the competition for me or not head and shoulders above Tom Brady for me it's definitely close I think I I just rather have uh, Matt Ryan at this point but yeah it's it's tough one more before I before I give you mine, and I'll give I'll give you a round right now. Would you rather draft Matt Ryan in the twelfth round or Deshaun Watson in the fourteenth round? Oh wow! With no clarity about the Deshaun Watson situation, who is is Deshaun Watson my first quarterback? Like the first quarterback? Do I have somebody else? No. I think I'd rather I'd rather have Matt Ryan in the twelfth round. I'd rather have Deshaun Watson in the fourteenth. We haven't I agreed just, on, on either of these, which is great. That it's good podcasting. That's what that it's is. It's great podcasting. I mean, I'd rather take the chance. I would rather take the chance than Deshaun Watson, but also understanding that later in, in, in the draft, you know, fifteenth, sixteenth, if you have seventeen rounds, you're gonna need to get another quarterback in there. So you could probably pair Deshaun Watson with a with a Carson Wentz, let's say. You could pair Deshaun Watson with a I mean, if he's there, you could pair him with like a Matthew Stafford, potentially, which doesn't sound too terrible. You could pair Deshaun Watson with a maybe you take the chance on a Trevor Lawrence. Or maybe Oy, maybe one of those be... maybe you take a chance. Maybe if Tannehill falls. If Tannehill falls, maybe you take a chance on, on Tannehill because there's this 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 crazy thing going on where people like think I'm gonna be very interested to see where Trevor Lawrence ends up in drafts after he's officially drafted. Because right now he's not uh being projected and, and ranked on on in draft data. So when the draft happens and he's officially put in to uh, best ball drafts and, and things like that. I'm going to be very, very interested to see where Trevor Lawrence ends up going. 
because I think there is a possibility that Trevor Lawrence gets so overdrafted that you would get one of those like 10 to 15 ish quarterbacks that would drop back. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence is literally team uncertainty, not only team Clemson, but also team uncertainty. Um, what is the first rule of fantasy football bird? Volume, volume, volume. No. Okay, fine. What's the second rule of fantasy football? Durability, durability, durability. Third rule. The best durability is availability. No, that's wait. That's not, <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. First of all, one of the three major rules of fantasy football is minimizing risk. Oh yeah. No, I, I mean, that's just drafting. Yeah. I was just drafting. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. You listen, you're in the 14th round. You see Deshaun Watson there. I mean, it's on you that you didn't draft somebody else. Also that you waited to the 14th round to have to make this, to have to put yourself in a situation where you're dra- where you're drafting Deshaun Watson as your first quarterback. That's besides the point. I disagree. I completely disagree. This is great. I love this. We're actually not agreeing on anything. I completely, totally disagree because there are so many quarterbacks late. I have 22 quarterbacks on my list that I would be comfortable drafting and starting week one, depending on what the schedule comes out to be, which is going to be released, by the way. The schedule is going to be released after the draft, which I'm very, very excited about. But you could very easily get a quarterback with say say Deshaun Watson is there in the 14th round. He is your first quarterback and you've just gone running back receiver and maybe like one round of a tight end in there. But let's just say the first 10 rounds, you've gone running back, running back, receiver, receiver, just all throughout. But then in the double digit rounds, you're now starting to fill out your team. You're, you're starting to look at your quarterback. You're starting to look at your tight ends. You could very easily build a very successful team with taking a quarterback late and playing the stream game if if need be. Because, I mean, if you're telling me you could get Carson Wentz in the 14th round, who is a, who is one of my favorite bounce-back candidates this year by a lot, it, I, I have no problem with that. Couple him with Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun, and Deshaun Watson is cleared, and Deshaun Watson actually plays. You're getting a guy that normally would be a top-six guy at the position. You're getting him in the 14th round. And all you had to do was take, was take a gamble. And if it doesn't what? pay off... You cut him and you go get somebody else. Not a problem. Yeah, I I get that. I just don't want to even have that problem in the in the first place. I if Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz are both there in the 14th round, just give me Carson Wentz. I'll take Carson Wentz. Because if there is no uncertainty about this, then who knows? And especially since Deshaun Watson said he wasn't going to play for the Texans anymore. And there's no way that you're going to be able to trade him with this whole thing looming over his head. It's just, you just don't need that kind of stress in your life. Fantasy football is already stressful enough having to make lineup decisions and drafting and making sure you have the best possible guys that you can. But we love it. But we love it, but you don't need to add anything else to make it more stressful. You don't need to. You sleep better at night knowing that you have somebody that you can count on to play most of the season. Yeah. But even if you don't, even if you take Deshaun, you know, you're getting him at a value where if you cut him, odds are, it's not going to really, it's not going to bother you because what, what guy do you take in the 14th round? Do you usually say, 
oh, yeah, he was a huge contributor at the end of the year that won me a fantasy championship. The answer is probably not a lot. No, it's true. So you're yes. taking you're taking a calculated gamble on a guy where you know probably potentially could not pan out, but you're taking a gamble on him with the hope that he does. I think in, in this situation, the potential reward outweighs the potential risk. Where if you're yeah. ta- like if you're taking Deshaun Watson in the tenth round now, I don't know if I would do that. But thirteenth, fourteenth round, I mean that's easy. That's easy. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, not to poke a hole in your whole would you rather, but I, I doubt that Deshaun Watson even falls that far in drafts. Well, probably not. Probably not. But just as a, as a thought experiment, I think it helps. It, it depends on what it. league. It depends on what league you're in and who you're drafting with. Hundred percent. Yeah, there are people that know what's going on and are scared of that. Then odds are he could. But if you're drafting with someone, if you're drafting with people that aren't necessarily in the know 24-7, that don't listen to this podcast and are completely brain dead, then, then there's a shot that Deshaun Watson gets completely overdrafted, which is good for you because then someone else is going to fall right into your lap at the quarterback position. You shouldn't be afraid to pull the trigger if that happens. All right, right so my, my bounce back, uh, I've talked about Carson Wentz. Um, I, I mean, I love him. I absolutely love him. And I have ranked top 15 quarterback you know, completely outweighing the, uh, the expert consensus on that one. So um, I won't talk about Carson Wentz here. I'm going to talk about another guy who I absolutely love. And that's Matthew Stafford. Um, I think that what he has now in LA is the best offensive group that he's ever had with Cam Akers, with Robert Woods, with Cooper cup, with Tyler Higby, that offensive line, Sean McVay, it is a great formula that I think could really, really pay off. And now do I think that this Rams offense with Matthew Stafford is going to go back to, let's say the 4,700 plus passing yards that they had in 2018. No, I I, I don't think so, but should 4,000 yards be easily achievable for someone like Matthew Stafford? Absolutely. And people want to talk about his health. People want to talk about durability. The problem with Matthew Stafford and his health, is he plays, he's a warrior. He does not miss games unless he's really, really, really messed up. But in Detroit, he never had a proper offensive line to protect him. Now in LA, he's going to have that. He's going to have that protection and he's going to be, going to have the time to at least get the ball out, not to worry about defensive ends coming and breathing down his neck. So yeah, he'll take hits. Yeah, he'll take shots, but I'm not necessarily worried about Stafford and the whole durability concern that uh, some other people have. So I would say if there are people in your leagues that are afraid of Matthew Stafford and are afraid of the injury history that he is perceived to have good, let them have that. And you'll get Matthew Stafford in a much better spot. Um, I mean, that's an easy one for me. Matthew Stafford is like one of the prime bounce back candidates. Cause I think he, I mean, as of right now, I would say that the Rams are probably the favorites to to win the NFC West. Yeah, I mean, chalk it up to the second thing that we're going to agree upon on this podcast, because I, I agree, Matthew Stafford is a really good pick as a bounce back. I mean, the, the pieces are all there for him. And this offense fits him really well, better than it fit Jared Goff. Because Robert Woods, especially, is the kind of guy 
he has the speed to, to go deep and catch those go routes. And Matt Stafford loves throwing those go routes because he has a cannon of an arm. And it, and that's just one receiver in the offense. And like I said, like we said, I think when we talked about the NFC West, yeah, like, I, like we said when we talked about the NFC West earlier in the week, I mean, this is the best supporting cast Matt Stafford's ever, ever had in his yeah, career. by a mile. By and a that's mile. not saying a lot. And he's got the defense now to back it up as well. Right. I mean, that's going to hurt him because usually we can't, we count on Matt Stafford as the garbage time King and in garbage time, the Rams are going to be on the other side of that, giving the ball to K makers. Well, it doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, you don't need a garbage time King. If the first three quarters he's throwing for two seventy five and three, you know, that's a good point. That's a great day at the office. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying it's different. Yeah, yeah no, for sure, I agree. But they all count the same. That's the be- that's the beauty of it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a different expectation as to what expect from Matthew Stafford. You know, you won't, you're not necessarily expecting him to be garbage time king like you said, Adam. You'll be expecting him to really deliver and get this football team up in games versus keeping a football team in games. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I think. Hmm. I don't really have anybody else. I mean, we talked about Kyler Murray. Yeah. On the NFC West show, but that's like that's like a half half a season comeback, bounce back. Because he was really he was, good. He was great for I would say two thirds of the year. He was great. So I wouldn't be I'm not saying that Kyler Murray has to have like a major bounce back, but he was hurt. He was hurt the last five weeks of the year. Five, six weeks. So you know, there, there's there's a bounce back there. I mean, you could, if you're going to go with that theory, you can also go with Dak. But Dak was terrific when he when he played. Right, Dak was like going to set the set the league on fire when he was playing. He was throwing so many throwing for so many yards and touchdowns and things like that. Cowboys are going to win every game, fifty to forty six or whatever. Fifty to forty nine was more like it. Yeah, with an onside kick recovery in there. <sighs> um, I'm just trying to think. Of any other, oh, I mean, I have one, uh, Lamar. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. But, but I don't know. He, we kind of know what he is now. Yeah, I mean, he he's an interesting one because I don't think you're relying on Lamar for his arm. You're relying on Lamar because the rushing upside that he presents. So, I mean, he was he was fine rushing the football last year. He rushed for a thousand yards, right? Again, right, but it's it's the it's the passing part that will sometimes let you down. So I don't know what, like he's a weird one for me because I don't know what a bounce back for him exactly looks like. You can't bounce back to a career year. I think that's kind of that's kind of what it is. No, I mean I don't I don't really think Lamar Jackson is going to be a four thousand yard passer or anything like that. But what? What does he look like? What does Lamar Jackson look like if he does not run for a thousand yards and say eight, nine touchdowns? What does he look like? Is he still, is he still top 12 guy? Probably. Is he a top 10 guy? Yeah, probably. Is he a top seven guy? Mm, Probably not. No, I mean, the one thing that really hurt him last year were because basically his rushing yards were around the same. His rushing touchdowns were the same. 
and his passing yards were around the same, but he had 10 less passing touchdowns. Yep. And that's what, that was that's the what, biggest difference. Yeah. I mean, you could add, say, say you add five passing touchdowns to that and you cut it, you cut the deficit in half. That's fine. That's fine. I think a lot of people would take that. But he right. also he also had that stretch in the middle in the middle of the, in the middle of the year where he just couldn't throw a ball to save his life, and it took the one Thursday night game against Dallas for him to uh, to find God. But typical of the Cowboys for uh, for everyone to find their uh, their passing touch against them last year <laughs> happens. Well, I mean, yeah, that game against New England on Sunday hey. night in the rain was not fun. S- Sam Darnold looked like. Uh, he looked like in his prime Joe Namath against the Cowboys. Oh, did he ever? That was that was probably the one game ever where Sam Darnold actually fulfilled the promise that he had to the Jets to the Jets fans. I would well, that was the his first game coming back from Mono, first of all. I was like, oh yep. my God, this team is completely different. And he's, that was it. He's back. Sam. He's back. The prodigal son returns. Sammy. But now, no. Hey, we're going to the running backs. Let's go on to the running backs. This is a, this is a, this is an interesting position. Well, basically, they, every, there everybody can a, bounce back. There are a lot of guys that you could put in this conversation, but what I did was I just went for guys that were not injured for more than half of the year. Fair. So Barkley is out of this. McCaffrey is out of this. Uh, Henry was great. Cook was great. Kamara was great. So right there, it takes five guys out of this. Um, I believe I'm sure that you're going to pick somebody that is close to your heart as a bounce back. <laughs> what makes you say that, Adam? I don't know. Just, just an intuition. Who do you think? Who do you think it is? Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> Joe Mixon. Ding, 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 ding. Joe Mixon. All right. I mean, it's very simple. Giovanni Bernard is no longer in town. The next guy up for the Bengals, if Joe Mixon goes down, is Rodney Anderson. I think this is Joe Mixon's time to finally live up to this potential. Now, I will say there are a couple things that hinder him. Number one, what does this Bengals offensive line look like? This has been generally one of the worst offensive lines in the National Football League over the course of the last few years. So the blocking absolutely 100% has got to improve. Number two, the coaching. Zach Taylor is horrific at what he does. He does not understand that you are better off letting your best players get the ball. Joe Mixon, you could make an argument, is the best offensive player outside of Joe Burrow that the Bengals have. Get him the ball. Let Even then, him... I think I would – yeah, I would say that Joe Mixon's better than Joe Burrow as an offensive player right now. Oh, well, there's less questions with Mixon. Because Burrow yeah. now, you know, you have to come back from a torn ACL and et cetera. <laughs> yeah. He has to recover from a just destroyed knee. How about that? Yes. Whereas, you know, Mixon is coming off. What Mixon deals with, he deals with these soft tissue injuries that just consistently, consistently fuck him. So if he can go through that, and even if he plays, I mean, two years ago, he played 14 games and he was fine. He was absolutely fine for fantasy. You know, do I think Joe Mixon is a 10-plus touchdown guy? Rushing? No, I don't. But is Joe Mixon capable of getting you eight touchdowns sprinkled in with maybe three or four receiving touchdowns to get you 10-plus total touchdowns? Absolutely. And you factor in that maybe he's a 1,000-yard guy. 
Yeah, I think that I think that's fine. I tell you, I tell you, he's in that group of Miles Sanders, DeAndre Swift, Josh Jacobs. I'd rather have Joe Mixon over all of them. Easy. Well, he, well, he's never had ten total touchdowns in his career in a season. Right, but he can he can do that because we do know that he is a threat out of the backfield. Problem is, is that he's dealt with Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard has taken a large chunk of receptions away from. Joe Mixon. I mean, Adam, could you read out his reception numbers over the course of his uh, career if you have that? Sure. Um, in 2017, Joe Mixon played 14 games. He had mm-hmm. 30 catches yep. on 34 targets. In 2018, he also played 14 games. He had 43 catches on 55 targets. In 2019, he played all 16 games, had only 35 catches on 45 targets. And then last year, 2020, he only played six games, but he did have 21 catches on 26 targets. So if you're telling me that without Giovanni Bernard, Joe Mixon could potentially be a 45, 50 catch guy, and then sprinkle in the 10 plus total touchdown upside that he has, and you're getting that in the third round, maybe? Because now what we're seeing is the younger guys of Akers, Dobbins, um, uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, those guys are starting to creep up a little bit towards that secondary group of Mixon, Jacobs, Sanders, Swift. The gap is kind of closing on that. So don't be surprised if you go into drafts and you see Antonio Gibson getting drafted before Joe Mixon. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Would I do it? Probably not. But they're not as they're not as far apart as as people think. I think people just go for the immense upside that someone like Gibson has. When you forget, you take the the injuries away from Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is really freaking good. Well, I mean that's the thing. That's a, it's a, it's a stretch because it's like well yeah if you take the injuries away from anybody and they Fair. play all the games that they that they're supposed to play then yeah they're good. I will also say that Joe Mixon has much more appeal with Joe Burrow there. Because you take anybody else there, I mean, this Bengals offense could be a mess. It's true. So I think you need need something, some validation that Joe Burrow is going to be ready to go at the start of the season. For you to really, really buy into Mixon. I think for me, somebody that can bounce back. I was going to say Derek Carr actually for quarterbacks, but I'm going to not do that and go with Josh Jacobs, his running back. Wow. As That's, a an interesting, back. that's an interesting one because Jake and I can't stand him. Really? We want no part of him. With with Kenyon Drake there, we want no part. Yeah. I just, I just – I think that – John Gruden, Mike Mayock know that Kenny and Drake is not, they know what they have. I, th- I think they know what they have. I think that they know what they have in Josh Jacobs as a, as a three down back. I don't think he's going to be that though. Or a two down back. They brought it. They gave, they gave $5 million to Kenyon Drake. Yeah. He's got a feature. So it's just like what his, his upside for, for me, at least his upside is kind of capped. But if he if he's getting the touchdowns, then it's then it's all right. But if he because we all know the the limited receiving floor 
that Josh Jacobs has. He does not catch a ton of passes. You're basically saying that you want or you would require Josh Jacobs to be a thousand yard back. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's like, a, that's an ideal world sort of deal. Cause I think Josh Jacobs could be, he could be a great value. I truly believe that because people are going to see that Kenyon Drake is there and they're going to say, Oh God, you know, I don't, I don't want any part of this myself included, but someone could take a chance on Josh Jacobs and he could be, he could be that three down back that you are projecting him to be. And Josh Jacobs could be a steal and you can get a really nice return on that. But uh, for me, uh, he's actually one of my strongest regression candidates, Josh Jacobs. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like him one bit. I Plus actually I, have him outside my top 20 of running backs. I could just as easily eat these words as much as I can be right about them come come the season, come week one. Hey, Adam, we all know that you have the magic touch when it comes to making bold claims because you said Deshaun Watson was going to be a was going to be outside the top seven last year. That happened. You said Zach Ertz going to finish outside the top 10 last year. That happened. Well, you know, injuries happen. Well, Deshaun Watson thing, I, I did not think it was going to be that bad. But uh, but the Zach Ertz thing, he was injured for most of the hey, year. So that's, he, that's why. I, Jake and I were both on here. We both called you nuts. It's true. I, I don't want to predict injuries because you never want to do that. No, they factor in. Yeah, they do factor in, but, but you, you never, don't want to be—you don't want to be that guy who's going to say, "Oh yeah, I've, uh, I, I really think Joe Mixon's going to be a uh, a top ten guy because just so many injuries at the position." You know, I don't. That's a that's a dangerous business to get involved in. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I predict my bold prediction is that Joe Mixon's going to snap his leg in half. It's like, no, that's dumb. That's terrible. First of all, and you shouldn't wish that on anybody. Thank you, voice of reason. You're welcome. But back to Josh Jacobs. Um, I, yeah, I think that Kenny Drake is going to be in there for passing yards. They just wanted more expensive insurance because if if Josh Jacobs um, gets banged up like he was last year, and it's and every week in the middle of the season was a will he won't he situation, I think they they want somebody that they can rely on. That's not Devontae Booker. I think it's a fair point. There, de- there definitely is more reliable number two there. Um, but if you if you draft Josh Jacobs, you have to draft Kenyon Drake. You have to. Oh, yeah. No, it's a requirement. Definitely. Yeah, he just – he scares me too much. There's there's too much volatility with someone like Jacobs. So, I mean, I, like I said, I don't have him as a top 20 running back. So, I'll be I'll be out on uh, on Jacobs. Fair enough. Which is and a that, shame, which is a shame because I like him a lot. Yes, but. he's a great player. That's the thing also is when you have people people in the quote-unquote mainstream or just a lot of the majority of people who are low on a guy and you might like him for, for, re, for some reason, um, for reasons that, you can actually, that actually make sense and you can articulate, then you can use that to your advantage. Like what you said about Josh Jacobs where if like – especially – if, especially since you and Jake are both in our fantasy league, I know that you both will not pick Josh Jacobs. So it's like, okay, that's cool. I can definitely have that in my in the back of my mind and get Josh Jacobs at a value. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know, you could then have others that may think the same way you do, and you're in for a dogfight for Jacobs. I just won't be. I won't be a part of that. 
Fair enough. All right. Anybody else for you? I have one more. Yeah, go ahead. Melvin Gordon the third. Yeah, it's a popular one. It's pretty pretty obvious. You know, Phil uh, Lindsay is now now in Houston, Texas, and Melvin Gordon is all by his lonesome. Well, actually, not really, because Royce Freeman's there, but really it's it's Melvin yeah, Gordon. Yeah, now there's there's nobody there that has that week to week upside that Gordon does. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a that's a very very uh, popular one that a lot of people uh, have. Uh, I can give you another one that's kind of like an outside the box one. Uh, Raheem Mostert. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Without Tevin Coleman there, given uh, he's gone to uh, greener pastures. See what I did there, Adam? I did. Greener pastures, Jets green. By the way, happy birthday, Tevin Coleman. Oh, it's his birthday today. Yeah, Great according guy. to the Jets on Instagram. Oh, you've got that. That's a direct source. Yeah. Also, today is the anniversary of Joe McKnight. Oh, no. Today's Joe McKnight's birthday. Also, rest in peace. Rip. Rip, yeah. rip, rip. Um, yeah, I think Mostert is a very popular uh, bounce back candidate. Problem is, is that San Francisco just loves to use their absolute dog shit committee. So, you know, does he get the run that's required? It's a, it comes with a risk. Mostert definitely comes with a bit of a risk, but he definitely has had moments where he's been very, very, very usable. And I think, you know, the later you can get him, the better. I have him as a top 24 guy for right now. Um, We'll see if that lasts. I highly doubt it. But I think he, uh, he, he has his moments where he can be really, really good. That's why I'm not like too much of a fan of Raheem Mostert just because of that committee. And there's so many, so many guys in that backfield that we saw had really big games in 2020, whether it be Mostert himself or Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk is probably going to get a touchdown or two. Jeff Wilson Jr. And even Jamichael Hasty when the 49ers had that, uh, that COVID outbreak. Yep. There are so many options in that backfield. It's, it's hard. true. We could be talking about the number one running back of the San Francisco 49ers, Jeff Wilson Jr. I easily by by week three, we could be talking about that. And then Raheem Mostert will be on the back burner. Yeah, there's volatility at the position. I mean, running back is one of the hardest positions to try and project. It really is. I mean, if you want another bounce back, just really quick, Clyde. Yes. Clyde is a very popular one. If he can bounce back from being able to know where the end zone is. Yep. Yeah, if you could put on if you could put on some muscle with that offense that he's in Kansas City, Clyde Edwards Alaire can definitely be one of the strongest bounce back candidates. But with Clyde, you need to be drafting uh Daryl Williams. Right, exactly. And the good thing about Clyde now is that he it doesn't seem like he's gonna be having he's gonna have too much competition in the backfield because Lev Bell only signed a one-year contract. Mm-hmm. Amy Williams is in Chicago. So it's going to be him and Daryl Williams. And Darwin Thompson. And Darwin Thompson. But Darwin Thompson is not a threat. So, Right. Yeah. It's just the two guys. It's just the two guys. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let's move on to wide receivers. Yeah, one of my favorite positions this year. One of my, one of my absolute favorites. It'll be absolutely fun. Absolutely astonishingly fun. 
So my bounce back, Debo Samuel. Oh, I'm just kidding. Can you imagine? I, I would have. I would have hung up. I I wouldn't have blamed you. I would not. Have I would have hung up, that. and you would have had to do the rest of this podcast on your own. God, that would have been funny. But no, it is. It is not. It is not Debo Samuel. Thank goodness. Um, my bounce back. I think it's going to. Do injuries really count? I mean, Odo Beckham. It's a great one. Let's see how he is coming back from a torn ACL. Yeah, and you're getting him at a great price right now. That's outside the top 24. Like that's, that's the other thing. That's just a, such a great price. You gotta you gotta fact that factor that in. You're not drafting Odo Beckham to be your to be your guy, your top receiver. No, you're you're drafting him to be your second or your third receiver. And you're, he has the potential to be a top 15 guy. I mean, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. He can make people look very, very smart. Yeah, uh, he comes absolutely can. Because everyone knows the talent that Odell Beckham has. It's true. It's absolutely true. Everybody knows. And maybe you might see people... You might not get Odo Beckham Jr. at such a great price in your draft because you might have people that think the same way that we do. Where it's like, look at this guy; he has all this potential. He people aren't gonna people are gonna be sleeping on him because he wasn't all that great his first year and a half in Cleveland. So I'm gonna draft him here. But if you get him at a good value, then you're getting him at a good value, and you're gonna you're gonna really like that. I think there's it's more likely you get him at a, at a good value just because from. The people that I've talked to, a lot of people seem very down on Odell. So I think it's more likely that you could probably get Odell Beckham at at a value, which is good, which is, which is really good, because the later you can get him, the better. Exactly. Who's your bounce back for a receiver? Um, I have two. I'll give you my my one first. Uh, DJ Chark. He's a great one. He's being drafted right now as uh, outside the top 30 with Trevor Lawrence coming in. But just plain and simple. You just put put the pieces of this equation together. The quarterback play in Jacksonville in 2020 was absolute dog shit. You bring in Trevor Lawrence in 2021 with an already very talented receiver in DJ Chark, who we have seen be very productive in the past. You put Lawrence and Chark together, bam. That has all the makings of someone that completely outperforms their ADP being drafted as a wide receiver 31, very easily can finish as a top 24 wide receiver. And bam, you get great return on your investment. DJ Chark is a, is a great one for me. Who's your second? Uh, Cooper Cup. And this all goes hopping back onto the uh, LA Rams bandwagon. Uh, Jared Goff was absolutely terrible for this offense. Cooper Cup. Last season alone, his, his he had a career low six yards downfield uh, with routes that he ran. So basically, what that means in layman's terms is he ran his routes six yards down the field, and that was it. He was not getting the big plays that he had gotten in 2018 and 2019 when he had scored 16 touchdowns in 24 games. Last year, only scoring three times on 124 targets. That is horrendous. That is that. That's just not what you would expect from someone like Cooper Cup. So I think with Matthew Stafford, that live arm, 
Cooper Cup is going to have the opportunity to get downfield more, make some more big plays. And I think the touchdown regression is definitely coming. The positive touchdown regression is definitely coming. And I think regression, positive regression in general is coming for Cooper Cup in, in the form of a bounce back. So uh, I think that they are going to be top 15, potentially top 12 receivers, uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as well, even though I don't think he's a bounce back. because Robert Woods was terrific last year. Uh, but he's someone that I like a lot. That's a good shout. That's a really good shout. Um, do you have more? I do have one more. Um, actually, I have two more. Go ahead. So, Tyler Boyd of the. Cincinnati I thought you were going to say Tyler Lockett for a second. I was going to scream at you. No, 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 no. Tyler Boyd, great one, great Tyler one, Tyler Boyd. Boyd. I like that a lot. You have Joe Burrow coming back. Um, Joe Burrow is probably going to play like what 12, 12 games, 12 games at the most. Hopefully, hope, hopefully he plays 16. Hopefully yes, he's ready hope. to go week one. Right. But I mean, realistically, nice. realistically, I don't, I think the Bengals aren't going to try and rush him back. Realistically, he'll probably play 13, 14 games. So and 12 is like on the low end of that. Yeah. And listen, AJ Green wasn't like a threat for Tyler Boyd at the, at that point like last year because AJ Green was on the on the down very much on the downswing of his career. T Higgins is there, but I mean Tyler Boyd is the number one receiver in Cincinnati. And he will definitely benefit from having at least most of a season of Joe Burrow. There's one thing that you said that I don't necessarily agree with and that Tyler Boyd is number one in Cincinnati. I think it's a one A one B between him and Higgins. I don't think that there is a clear number one guy because I think they're gonna be very similar in terms of targets I think it'll be very similar in terms of yards and touchdowns I just think that the the big difference is that people are hyping up T Higgins so much and people are forgetting about Tyler Boyd where I think Tyler Boyd can be just as good if not better than T Higgins so Adam I like yours I like that one a lot that also that factors in. That like really you're does. talking about a whole round and a half difference in ADP right now between Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. That is ridiculous. It's actually pretty nuts. That's absurd. It's really, really nuts. Like I love T. Higgins. Don't get me wrong, but he's being drafted in the fifth round right now versus T. Higgins, who's being drafted end of the sixth, early seventh. What am I? What am I missing? I mean, you have on Fantasy Pros, you have. A difference in four spots. T. Higgins is 24 and Tyler Boyd is 28. That's not how they're being drafted. No. They're being drafted as if it's like seven or eight spots. Which to me makes no sense. Because Tyler Boyd, T. T. Higgins is a top 30 receiver, but so is Tyler Boyd. They both are. There should not be a round and a half difference between T. Higgins and Boyd. No way. Like, you want to draft Higgins in the fifth round, go ahead, do it. But Boyd should be in there as well. Like, if you're telling me you can get both of them in the sixth round, great spot. I'm okay with sixth round for both. But fifth for Higgins and late sixth, early seventh for Boyd, I know who I'm taking. That's not close. Yeah, Tyler Boyd is definitely a better value. 100%. 100% you know what you're getting. He's a steady, steady receiver. He'll get right. you your 1,000 yards. He'll get you your eight, nine touchdowns. He'll be very consistent. And, I mean, let's just say it for what it is. Both Higgins and Boyd were still very good without Burrow last year. They still were startable receivers. 
well, they had to be good enough for people to be projecting them this high. That's correct. The, that's the thing. Correct. Well, the whole borough hype coming back, the borough train is really what uh, fuels that fire as well. Exactly. Much the same. Much the same with someone like DJ Chark. And yeah. same with LaVisca Chanel. That's another one. Oh, that yeah. LaVisca Chanel is steadily making that climb because of the Trevor Lawrence train. That's just rolling right into Jacksonville. Right. Um, my other bounce back, um, it's kind of two. It's basically two. It's it's Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Like mm. the two Broncos. Yeah, I don't like those as much just because it's Drew, it's Drew Locke still. Like, if you're telling me Teddy Bridgewater is going to be there, then then I I would love that. I guess I'm speculating that the Broncos are going to make a move at quarterback. I just I hate Drew Locke. Just because Drew Locke, I don't like Drew Locke either. He's Ugh. he's just not good. No, he's not good. But I think Sutton was a big miss for this offense last year. I truly believe that. So the Sutton one, I can definitely get behind. Jake likes Cortland Sutton a lot. So you and him are, are on that train together. Uh, Judy, Judy's just so talented. But the problem is, is that Drew Locke is just a, a mess. That's that's really the biggest downside that I have with this offense is that, oh, God. Well, that's the thing also is that, I mean, but aside from Noah Fant, who was Drew, who was Drew Locke's number one read? And only read. <laughs> and only read. But with Corlin Sutton not there, teams focused on the outside. They focused so much on Jerry Judy because it's like, oh, we're going to let Tim Patrick beat us. That's, That's correct. fine. That's correct. So now that you have both Sutton and Judy, it, it gives teams more to think about. In theory, yes. In theory, on paper, yeah. it gives teams mm-hmm. more to think about. Yeah. And you put KJ Hamler in the mix as well. Yeah, there's a lot more, there's a lot more that looks nice on paper for for Denver coming into 2021 than there was in 2020. But we all know that things are not always as they seem. And Drew Locke is Drew Locke. He's a dumpster fire. So, yeah, they, 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 it wouldn't shock me if they were to go out and draft the quarterback. It really would not surprise me one bit. Mr. Birdslow, I think we've been doing this for too long because I literally was about to say the exact same thing. Yeah, it would not surprise me. Trey Lance at nine. Oh, God. Yeah. Denver. Honestly, although if, I mean, if the 49ers like Mac Jones, then maybe Denver picks Justin Fields at nine, which wouldn't, which wouldn't be bad. If Fields makes it that far, someone doesn't trade up. Yeah. Because from what I've heard, and this is just over the course of the last two days or so, is that teams are more likely to trade up for Justin Fields than they would for Mac Jones. That makes more sense because I think people think that Mac Jones are gonna is gonna basically he's not he's not leaving he's not going past New England. That that's how I feel anyway. I agree. I agree. I think if there's a quarterback there for New England at 15, that's where the last quarterback falls. Whomever it is, whether it's Lance, whether it's Fields, but if there's a team outside the top 15 that wants a quarterback, they're going to have to trade over New England. Exactly. And unless New England trades themselves, which is never, which will never happen. Well, we, if they do, we get a nice, a nice in-home view of Bill Belichick's dog. Yes. What's which, uh, was, 
What's his dog's name again? I forget. Was it something football related? Um, his dog's name is first. His dog's name is First Down. <laughs> Jesus. The dog's name is. If I can find it. Nike. Oh. Weird name for a dog. Very cute dog, though. Yeah, but still. I won't even say anything nice about Bill, Bill Belichick's dog. That's a very cute dog. St- star of the show at the draft last year. Yeah. Well, it's still going to be virtual this year, right? Nope. In person. Oh. In Cleveland. In Cleveland with fans. Fun stuff. With fans. Love to see it. Cleveland. Where in Cleveland? I think downtown Cleveland. Oh, they're not going to have it at like a field? Like at, I think it's going to be an outdoor venue. At the at the Cleveland Municipal, what is it called? No, it's a First Energy Stadium. That's where the Browns play. It's not going to it's not going to be there, but I think it's going to be like an outdoor event, which makes sense. Oh boy. Well, I better not tell I better tell my sister and brother-in-law to not go visit I better tell my sister to not go visit her in-laws uh in the last week in April. Yeah, don't I would re- I would highly recommend against that. Yeah. Um I have sure. one more bounce back candidate just from the kindness of my heart. Uh Corey Davis. Oh. I love it. I Corey love Davis him. and Zach Wilson. Zachy Pooh. See, Adam, I'm glad that we'll be able to unite rooting for the New York Jets just because I'm rooting for Corey Davis. Makes sense. Corey Davis is great. He's a great guy. Great. What a king. All right. So let's move on to tight ends. For me, this is this is hard for bounce backs. It's a lot easier for regression candidates, actually. Um, well, it seems that you're pretty eager, Bird. So what this do you is an got? easy one. This is easy. One of my one of my favorite late round tight ends, Tyler Hickby. Yeah, it's a good shout. I mean, no more Gerald Everett. Brand new offense. I I've said three Rams for bounce back candidates. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, Are you Hickby. a closeted Rams fan? I'm I I might be. I might be actually be a representative for uh, KSE Cronky Sports and Entertainment Group. Just trying to plug plug the Rams. See, you know what happened? You were so excited that Arsenal advanced in the Europa League that you just became a Rams fan. Well, to, to I'm giving no thanks to the Cronkies for uh, for that one. Big ups to uh, my man, uh, Mikel Ross-Claude Arteta. So, Bird, what are your opinions on Nathan McKinnon? Love Nathan McKinnon. He's a great guy. What about um, Nikola Jokic? Fuck him. Oh, maybe you're not you're not a fan of all the teams owned by Stan Kroenke. Absolutely not. But you've you've just given me someone that I absolutely love. Nathan McKinnon is a king. Love him. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, fuck him. Jamal Murray, fuck him. Get well soon. Get well soon, yes. Michael Porter Jr., fuck him. Well, right, so what other uh, Denver Nuggets? Oh, Will Barton? Will Barton? Hey, 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 Will? Hey, Will? Fuck you. Fuck him. What about Mike Malone? Do you not like Mike Malone? Fuck him. 
No, we do not stand the Denver Nuggets. What do they, you have treated, the- they treated my man Carmelo Anthony horrifically. I know. He kept that organization afloat. He should be given a fucking statue. And they also tricked the Knicks into giving up their entire team to trade for Carmelo Anthony. And where did that go? How many titles did they win out of that? None. And the Knicks still won more playoff series than they did in that time, which is one, but still. Knicks won that trade. Knicks won the trade. Carmelo Anthony going into the halls in New York, Nick. Anyway, my bounce back candidate at tight end. You know, actually, this is kind of, this is easier than I thought. Because. um, I think I know who you're going to say. I think. I want to say. I want to say somebody, but I know that he, if I say his name, it's going to be. He may not be playing in his current team for Mm -hmm. the next year. Mm -hmm. It's correct. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say him. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to project him as a bounce back when you don't know if he'll be playing in his current geographical location or not. Yeah, you don't since we don't know what well, I mean, it's the same time zone, but like, yeah, you don't know if he's gonna be going further west to Indianapolis. A domed stadium with a uh, a former uh a former colleague of his. Yeah. Uh multiple former colleagues. Multiple actually. former colleagues, yes. That's Zachary Ertz, tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. I hope he gets cut or traded. I really do. Because he will be, yeah, he'll be another one of my favorite bounce backs. And if he goes to Indy, if he goes to Indianapolis, holy shit balls. Yeah. That is a direct quote, by the way, Adam. And I quote, holy shit balls. All right. We'll, we'll do. Another pick that's kind of out of the box, somebody that nobody is talking about. That I'm just going to go out of left field completely. I like out of left field. Somebody that everybody forgot about after he was out for the season with an Achilles injury. He plays for the defending champions. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, exactly. Oh, Jay that Howard. That is a great one. O.J. Howard. Wow. That's a really great one. My only, might... issue with, my only issue with him is just how much volume is he going to get. But, wow, Adam, that, that's a terrific one. It's very out of left field. Very. Because nobody is talking about O.J. Howard. Nobody. I almost forgot about him, but I saw Gronk's name in, in the top 20. I was like, wait a minute. Isn't OJ Howard coming back? OJ OJ Howard is 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 still around. Yes, he's still there. Oh, that's gonna it's gonna be a mess though. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a mess, but he's gonna be very 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 cheap. You probably won't even need to draft him. That's how cheap he's gonna be. Oh, he'll go. He'll probably be undrafted in most spots. Yeah, probably. But Adam, that that's. Well done. Well done to you. That 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 is an excellent, excellent, excellent choice. And yeah, that's that's kind of all I got here for the tight ends. Do you have one more? 
yeah, I have one more. Um, this is someone that I'm going to back up again. I don't know why I'm about to do this, but I'm going to do it again. Evan Ingram. Why? Well, here, here's my thinking. So I just think this Giants offense is going to be better because now you bring in Kenny Galladay there. Say they do bring in a Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle in the draft. You have two new outside receivers. This opens up the field a bit more for Evan Ingram, where he's not going to be the focal point of every defense the Giants go up against, given that he's the best offensive player that the Giants had had last year for 14 games when you had Saquon Barkley out, the outside receivers absolutely sucked. You know, now you have Galladay in there. So they draft a first round receiver. It opens up the field a bit more for, for Evan Ingram. But the downside to that is you are relying on Daniel Jones, who absolutely flat out sucks. I have a few notes. Go ahead. You think the giants are going to, be in a position to draft either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle? It's possible. It's possible because if there's a team that's going to trade up for any of the quarterbacks, say say uh, Mac Jones slash Justin Fields or Trey Lance, whomever the Niners don't take in Trey Lance, say a team, say two teams trade up for two of those quarterbacks, you then look at whatever spots are left. Dallas is not taking a receiver at 10. Denver's not taking a receiver at nine. So right then and there, that probably funnels a receiver down to the Giants. All right. I, I mean, I could see it happening. There's an avenue. There, there is an avenue. It's going to take, it's going to take a lot of moving around for, uh, for it to happen. But I mean, I've heard the Giants are very, very interested in, in Devonta Smith. I'm sure a lot of teams are interested in Devonta Smith. Um, I've heard more about Waddle and Chase than I have about Smith. That's very interesting. And I've heard, I've heard a lot, a lot about uh, Cardarius Tony. That there's some teams that think he could be a top 15 selection. Yeah, my other note is, you know, you're relying on Daniel Jones, which is already kind of shaky. Yep, that's, it's a, a sh- that's, <laughs> that's the other side to this. Yeah. It's, a shaky, it's a shaky foundation. But also, Evan Ingram is very inconsistent. Yep. He's the model of inconsistency. He is. He is indeed. He's, and he's, he's going to be cheap. He's, he's either very, injured. Very he's either amazing, injured, or terrible. Very true. Very true. So, I mean, it's not – look, it's not, a, it's not a home run pick. I'm not, you know, banging my desk here saying, you know, you have to go out and get Evan Ingram. But – He's someone that I think with more talent on offense, it could help him blossom into having a pretty good year in relation to where he's being drafted. I I see where you're coming from. I see your thought process. I might not agree with it, but I do see I do see your thought process. And why? Oh, thank you so much. Yes. And thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You could find all episodes of everything under the Basement Talk podcast umbrella on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Bert and I are going to be talking about uh, regression candidates, players that are going to be regressing to the mean, basically the opposite of bounce backs, kind of busts, but not really busts, because we might throw in... Yeah, 
we could we might throw in some positive regression candidates in there as well because regression does go both ways so uh keep your eyes peeled for that keep your eyes and ears peeled for that when that comes into your inboxes for my co-host Ed Brodsall, I am Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye bye.